Hi, and welcome to the Vancouver Life Podcast. This podcast is created to answer the most talked about questions when it comes to navigating the Vancouver real estate market. I'm your host, Dan Wartell, a licensed agent and accredited real estate investment advisor based here in Vancouver, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Dash. Hi, Dan. I'm also a local realtor, an exhausted father of two, husband of one, and really happy to be here. Let's get right into today's episode. Interest rates were hiked again this week, and we're going to get into how housing prices are going to be affected even further. Uh, we're going to touch a bit, too, on the national debt numbers because they are getting more and more terrifying and will also affect what's going to happen with interest rates moving forward. Immigration. My goodness, we have a chart to share with you, and it is a serious eye-opener. Stick around for that. And then we're going to get into what happened in both Toronto and Alberta in the month of November, because those are going in polar opposites. But ultimately, they are opening up opportunities both here and abroad. And we're going to talk about all those as well. So make sure you stick around to the end to hear about if you're looking for an opportunity in the Vancouver real estate market, we've got a few suggestions for you. Hey guys, it's Ryan Dash here along with my co-host Dan Wirtel uh, with EXP Realty and we create videos like this every single week to give you all the education you need about the Vancouver real estate market. Do you have a property that you have questions about or you aren't sure what to do next with? Thinking about the market? Not quite sure if it's the right time. If you have real estate on the mind, give us a call. We are available for a free 30-minute call whereby you can talk about all of your concerns and we can help navigate this tricky market. So to connect with us, simply choose a cal- choose the Calendly link below and book a time. Perfect. Thanks, Ryan. And I can imagine there's going to be more and more people wanting to reach out because the market is changing faster than ever, which is a crazy thing to say within Vancouver. But hey, when you've got interest rates up 1600% in the last nine months, yeah, things are going to change quick and you are very likely questioning what to do and when to do it. Be hard not to hear that interest rates went up another 50 basis points on Wednesday. It is clearly of interest on top of mind because it affects everyone whether you are a mortgage owner or not. So here we go. Uh, payments are up for every $100,000, yet another 30 bucks per month. So those people with million-dollar mortgages are up another $300 per month if they have that floating variable payment. If not, of course, it's shifted to interest. We've touched on this for, gosh, about eight, nine months now. But trigger rates clearly in full effect now. And if you have not realized what that means for you, please talk to your lender because you want to get ahead of this before you get a nasty letter or a big surprise as far as the kind of money that they're just going to say, hey, these are your new payments. Deal with it. So is that the end of the hikes? Are there more? Well, a couple key phrases that you need to take away from TIFF's press release there, including the economy continued to operate in excess demand, left it open for a little bit of potential more hikes. Another one. Inflation is still too high and short-term inflation expectations remain elevated. Not the most positive outlook there either. And lastly, we are resolute in our commitment to achieving the 2% inflation target. So if you just take those phrases, my goodness, it certainly sounds like they may go another quarter point or so uh, in the opening session of Q1 of next year, of course. Though, keep in mind, there were a couple of things that were ultimately left out. And there was one phrase in particular that had a few people speculating that, hey, maybe this is near the end. And this is where Tiff said, the governing council will be considering whether the policy interest rate needs to rise further. 
So a little bit more dovish than the last press release here. It's a subtle but important shift in the tone. As mentioned earlier, we started the year at a quarter point, and now we're up 400 basis points to four and a quarter percent, drastically changing the landscape for financial institutions and lenders and borrowers. Again, that equates to a 1,600% increase. So this is uh, the quickest increase as far as the points go, I believe in 27 odd years, but you gotta think because of the low, low baseline, the percentage of increase is, is I believe, a record. So that 1,600 is no small number. And again, the reason people are in a bit of shock here in the marketplace. Uh, most people, again, ex they think there could be another quarter point in January. We have to wait for more inflation data really first before we can kind of judge what will happen there. But again, we're still highly elevated in that aspect. So where are mortgages today? Well, we now have fixed variables under variable rate mortgages, if you can believe it. So if you went out today to get a new mortgage, your fix would be sitting around 5%, whereas your variable is around 5.4%. So we're basically in a completely different world than we were back in uh, January, February, March of this year. And understandably, there's a lot to understand. So again, if you have questions about owning a mortgage or considering a mortgage, please reach out to us and we'd happily discuss your situation. Dan, do you remember when they said they were going to keep rates low until the end of 2023? Very, very well. That has resonated in the brain for a long time. That will probably be, you know, on uh, Tiff's tombstone when he goes down because that's going to be his legacy in a sense. Um, many people definitely feel like the rug has been pulled out from underneath them because, again, that was a huge promise. And to go and do well beyond a 180 there, uh, gosh, it, it takes away the, the trust factor with the BOC, of course. And again, moving forward, what can you believe that comes out of their mouth now when, when they were that wrong? Yeah, that hard? I mean, the credibility element of it to me is just, ugh. it's tough. But I like your comment there, <laughs> being on a tombstone. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, take that with a grain of salt. I'm just joking, people, but you yeah, get the idea, right? It's, it's something that he will be known for, for, for gosh, many, many years. Yeah. And uh, so what does that mean in terms of debt, right? Because that's um, going to have its own implications with our national debt. And our national debt now is higher than, you know, it's ever been. Um, and it stands right now at nearly $3 trillion, Dan. So $2.9 uh, Four two trillion dollars in the second quarter of this year is where it peaked. So March twenty twenty two. That means that on a per capita basis, each person is seventy six thousand dollars in debt, which is unbelievable. And the U.S. is also faring uh, is feeling this pain as well. Uh, their per capita rate is even higher at ninety eight thousand. So uh, without a doubt. You know, everybody, every time we get these interest rate hikes, it makes it more difficult. With that said, uh, inflation does bring more spending, which does bring more taxable revenue. So it is possible that inflation could bring down some of this debt. It just depends on how much we decide to spend to get there. Um, as we all know as well, uh, the last week here, we've seen a, a article that was released uh, by the Financial Post, how the government overspent on their curb payments by nearly $28 billion. That is a massive, massive oversight and something that contributes in a big, big way to um, inflation, right? So 
Um, as much as uh, <clears throat> we want to thank the government for handing out money to keep people afloat, I think some you know typical accounting and record services would have gone a long way here. But anyhow, with that being said, uh, when we actually look and break down our debt um, uh, as a gross debt to GDP ratio, believe it or not, BC is the lowest in the country and the highest is being in Quebec. And if we look at our population, this is where things, at least you could take maybe a small sigh of, of relief here because our population growth is incredible right now. I mean, immigration numbers are their highest since the Confederation of Canada, right? In 2021, more than 8.3 million people, or almost one quarter of the population, 23%, were or had ever been a landed immigrant or permanent resident of Canada. I mean, that shouldn't really surprise us. We are a country of, of uh, immigrants. But um, the last time we saw this level was actually post-World War One at 22.3%. So we are in uh, massive growth mode here in Canada, at least when it comes to population. Um, and how does this compare to our neighbors down in the south, right? So, our, you know, the, the states has about 10 times the population that we do. We're at about 38 million. I think they're at about 360 million, somewhere around that, that size. Uh, and what's really interesting here is that while Canada brought in 700,000 people last year in the last 12 months, the U.S. has brought in 900,000. So a massive, massive number for Canada on a per capita basis. We are exploding here. And this is where it gets uh, also even more interesting. Um, so we have, uh, like many Western nations, an aging population with a, a low birth rate. So we need these people in order to keep our economy growing. And um, with modern monetary theory, you need more people to spend more in order to print more. So we're making it more and more attractive to bring people here. And immigration already counts for practically all all, Dan, of the country's labor force growth. And by 2032, it is expected to account for most of the population growth. So immigration is a major part of Canada's growth. And um, <clears throat> I know they just announced targets of 500,000 people, uh, new immigrants by the time, by 2025. Where this gets really interesting is that each provinces, Canada, if you can believe it, is one of the more decentralized Western nations, uh, confederations, if you will, um, leaving it up to provinces to uh, allow how many people get to come in. And Quebec, for example, uh, said that they will not take more than 50,000 people a year, and this is because Quebec wants to keep Quebec French. So uh, what does that mean? That means that while we have a, you know, Quebec has 23% of the nation's population, but going forward, they're only going to take 10% of the country's immigrants. So that means more and more immigrants are going to flock to places like Toronto, Calgary, and uh, Vancouver. This means more housing pressure that's coming, right? It's not here yet. But people land here, they get renting, they spend six months learning about neighborhoods, they spend a year living, and then by about the 12 to 18 month mark, once their permanent residency has been achieved, they start buying, right? So 
you know, uh, currently Canada's permanent residents are welcomed because of their skills, but moving forward, they are going to be not under any kind of family reunification. Well, that'll, that'll still happen, but 60% are going to be based on skill set and what they can do for the economy. So some big changes coming and, you know, long term, we've been bullish on, you know, housing in, in this province for a long time. I think this is more evidence, Dan, of a long term growth plan that spells higher prices and less and less uh, inventory, something we're already struggling with. Yeah, think of this on a percentage base. I mean, that means in 2021, Canada grew at almost 2% increase that year, mm. whereas the States was 0.0026%. So wow. Canada grew at almost 10 times the pace of the states last year on a percentage basis. I mean, literally, wow. there's only, what, 200,000, a quarter million more people yeah. that came north than yeah. south. Yeah. Well, yeah, crazy. <clears throat> again, if you want to talk about a crystal ball, there is sort of one very, very pertinent element about what you can expect to happen moving mm-hmm. forward here, especially when they're so vocal about their targets within that aspect. Okay. Well, we like to always touch on our neighbors to the east, Toronto, and and how their stats and their housing is doing compared to ours because they do relate quite a bit to one another, but it's also very interesting when they separate from one another. Month over month, uh, home sales down like 2.5% from uh, October. Uh, If we look from the peak, though, sales are down 62%. Uh, Keep in mind, Vancouver was down, I believe, 52%, we said last week. And they're down 49% compared to this time last year, which is obviously quite a bit. So this means that the demand, the current sales volumes are the lowest level since the 90s. Okay, so we're, we're basically at a three decade, a 30 year low here. And it's, in essence, that is unsustainable. It's unsustainably low given the population growth. So sales will almost certainly rebound once we get a bit more clarity on what's happening with rates. And what I mean by that is people like a bit of certainty. And right now it just feels like interest rates are going up and they'll never stop. But when they do, and let's say you get two months even in a row of zero rate hikes at each of their announcements, people are going to feel much more stable about that. They're going to start considering housing again. This, of course, comes into effect with the inflation numbers too. The quicker and the more inflation comes down, the more housings are going to become interesting again. And then of course, when we see that first rate cut, uh, that is my personal uh, prediction. That, that is essentially the floodgates bursting open for people buying housing again at, at mm-hmm. you know elevated rates. So really, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think I tend to agree. I think, I think people are looking for a pivot right? They're all sitting on the sidelines. The pressure, the demand for housing hasn't changed. It's just people are not wanting to use the rates that are available to them to buy their homes that they want. So come that bank pivot, everyone's going to get excited to spend money again, and we don't have the inventory. And it's going to become a problem. Big problem. That's exactly right. We, we feel it here, and Toronto feels it too. I mean, it's, it's still like Vancouver. Toronto is seeing a, a standoff. Sellers aren't selling, buyers aren't buying. I mean, new listings were down 12% year over year. And listen to this, like even though active inventory in Toronto is double from a year ago and up 160% uh, in their suburbs, inventory today is still sitting at the third lowest in the last 10 years. 
The only time inventory was lower in Toronto was 2020 and 2016, which we know both those years, sub prices go up well into the double digits. Mm-hmm. So interestingly, <laughs> we're just above those inventory levels with prices going down. But again, you know what's going to happen on the other side of this. So Toronto, looking to their HPI price, off 18% from the peak. Uh, if we wanted to segment out the, the single family or the detached home, they're actually off 20% from the peak. Mm-hmm. GVRD, and this is what I mean by them separating, GVRD, HPI is down 12% and 13% respectively for the detached home. So still faring much better than Toronto. And their uh, Toronto HPI year over year, if you remember from last week's episode, we just clipped underneath last year's price year over year. I think we were like 0.2% or something like that. Anyway, Toronto year over year HPI is down 5%. We haven't heard that number since 2008. Wow. So, Global financial you know, crisis. We're, we're, that's it. It took, the, it took until the global financial crisis to see a year over year 5% decline. So they've had quite the run considering that was 20, or sorry, that was uh, 60. Oh my gosh, my math is great today. That was 14 years ago. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, it's funny you say that in referencing the, the global financial crisis because uh, when we look back at listings here in Vancouver, just a quick no- a note here. Um, at, the, at the height of the global financial crisis, we had about 20,000 listings, right? And we had uh, we had a very similar sentiment in the marketplace that we do today. However, today we have ninety one hundred listings, right? And when you look nationally too, I think two thousand fifteen we saw probably around the peak in terms of national listings at about two hundred and fifty thousand at a given time. I think we're kind of hovering around the one twenty five mark, one hundred and fifty thousand right now in terms of of national listings. So, you know. 2008 global financial crisis had a whole lot more supply and a, uh, another end of the story, a different, real different pieces that were making up that story. So I don't think the outcome will be the same. I think the outcome is going to be, you know, quite different when things turn around here. Anyhow, getting into pre-sales in Toronto, Dan, there's some crazier numbers here. So um, in, as of Q3 in 2022, there were 3,000 pre-sales that were sold in Toronto. That might feel like a lot, but when you look at um, 2021, we had 12,000 sales. And then 14,000 sales in 2020, right? So these numbers, we are way, way, way off these numbers. Uh, it just goes to show you the sentiment is down tremendously. So while construction activity is now set to pull back even harder, um, you know, the feds will continue to ramp up immigration targets. Uh, and that sets the stage for the supply imbalance demand, Dan, that we have been talking about for some time. But it's not all bad because there's opportunities that are always born out of these uh, crises, right? So uh, the seeds of the next boom, they're being planted right in front of us here. So let's address maybe maybe what a couple of those opportunities might look like, right? So assignments clearly would be a a great opportunity. So if you're looking for a pre-sale right now, maybe don't go the route of the developer, go the route of the assignment. So you could pick up... um, you know, a property for less than it was purchased for by the developer. That's a great opportunity. Uh, developer incentives are getting bigger and bigger and bigger right now. So there's lots of bonuses that are being thrown in with these deals, you know, favorable deposit structures, uh, decorating allowances on the back end of the deals. Um, 
And then ultimately you are going to find the odd unicorn seller, right? What we mean by that are people that are being forced to sell. So if you, if you do see that, uh, you will need to act fairly quickly, uh, because there are a lot of people out there right now looking for those deals. Of course, these, these deals that we're talking about, right? There is pain on the other side for somebody, unfortunately, but at the end of the day, this is typically born of being unprepared. So when we're talking mm-hmm. about picking up an assignment for under what the original purchaser paid for it, that's going to emulate what we saw around 2018, uh, 19. And again, we saw some six figure discounts sometimes because people bought them, either it was ill-advised or they had some big financial change in their life or, or they simply didn't pre-approve or apply for that mortgage that you can get a three to four year rate hold on. And now it's time to close and they literally cannot uh, qualify for the mortgage that's required. So they have to offload the paper before they complete because again, they can't complete and the developer is going to take their deposit and potentially take them uh, through courts, litigation, etc. So it's Unfortunately, it's obviously painful, but less painful to offload it, let's say 100K loss, than lose the total quarter million dollar deposit, for example. So where's the opportunity, of course, buying something at potentially a six-figure discount? If that's the product you're looking for, keep an eye mm-hmm. out for those. And mm-hmm. keep in mind, too, these assignments, 90%, 95% of the time, they're not publicly advertised. So you need to work with someone who knows how to access those. And then again, developers, right? They don't want to make cuts or put out these discounts. But at the end of the day, either they're going to have to try and meet their financing targets or they've just got product that's quiet and they need to offload it to get into their next project. So again, a couple things to definitely keep an eye out for on the buy side here. And then like Brian said, unicorn sellers, the odd person who has to sell, you're going to see an opportunity there. But my goodness, we've seen the odd one or two pop up and how quick are these going? And again, sometimes in multiples because inventory is so low. If something decent hits the market, it gets attention immediately. Mm-hmm. So let's wrap up here on Alberta because Alberta has been something that is interesting. And it's also an opportunity right now, especially for our investor clients who are focusing more and more on that province, especially in the city of Calgary. Uh, province wise, we saw home sales rise 3% month over month in November. And as we said, everywhere else is down, but somehow Alberta is now bucking the trend. Um, down 22% year over year, but still well higher than, than most uh, other provinces, of course, across the country. And again, even though it's down, we're still seeing levels at demand essentially at the same point as they were in 2013 and 2014, mm-hmm. which uh, if you were around that long or, or paying attention to um, Alberta in those eras, in those years, you know that's when they, they were actually booming and prices were going up well above the national averages. The condo segment, and again, this speaks entirely or predominantly rather to investors. And we know people are leaving or focusing rather their BC money is going into Calgary and Ontario money is going into Calgary because the condo segment is up with sales up 35% year over year from last Holy year. Holy cow. Wow. Huge number. That's yeah. Big. Again, everything else is falling, and yet Calgary sales are flying in the condo segment. <sighs> New listings down about 19% year over year. Sound familiar? <laughs> and again, <laughs> the lowest in a decade. So they're just, that's going to also help prop up Calgary prices. Um, unlike the rest of the country, inventory continues to tighten in Calgary with inventory down 21%. I mean, GVRD is also doing that. I would beg to differ, but uh, again, you look out just outside of that, and yeah, the province as a whole, of course, is going up. So the only year that has lower inventory than today is 2013. 
again, the last boom. Mm -hmm. So what has that resulted in? Well, Calgary prices currently are up 8% year over year. Uh, Comparatively, let's look at what happened back home here. We're down about 1% year over year. But that's the snapshot of where it is today. But again, the fundamentals are pointing for Calgary to continue to be strong. So if you're an investor and you're thinking about putting some money with it in a province or city that looks to have at least another five to 10 year run right now, Calgary is uh, looking to outperform other cities nationally here. So definitely worth investigating further. I personally own a couple properties in Alberta and would be happy to talk to you guys if you're considering investing there as well. And that, that goes for me as well. We also, uh, we've got a number of uh, opportunities gonna, that are going to be coming up in 2023 that are exclusive to Alberta. So if you want to know more about that, uh, by all means, reach out in the Calendly link below and book a time to find out more. Awesome. Thanks so much for watching and uh, looking forward to seeing you guys next week. Have a great weekend. Bye. That wraps up this edition of the Vancouver Life Podcast. For more information on this podcast and to access a ton of free downloads, investment opportunities, current market info, and homes for sale, you can find it all at www.thevancouverlife.com. Thanks, and we look forward to bringing you more podcasts about Vancouver real estate.